This is what I want to create as our collective North Star, to remember the power of deep and truthful storytelling, to remember always the importance of sharing authentically, often without agenda, and always with purpose. Part of our purpose with Raise 1000 Voices will be to continue to raise the voices of those who will inspire and empower you, who have personal stories of triumph, or simply making it through in a way that gives you the insights you may very well need in your world in that moment. Raise 1000 Voices is the podcast on a mission to raise the voices of the clever, creative and courageous women across the world. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and I invite you to join me in conversations with women who will inspire and empower you as we explore just how to lift our levels of self-trust, to reclaim the narrative and to use our voice to go after exactly what we want, doing it with strength, power and grace. Welcome to episode 10. When we were mapping our strategy for the Raise 1000 Voices podcast, we had scheduled a regular solo episode, which would come into the mix somewhere between episode 12 and 20, where we could literally pause and reflect on the incredible insights and stories shared by the women who decided to step into this brand new arena with me. We launched knowing that we, as in I, don't have a huge social media following, knowing that I have been deliberately quiet in the digital space for a very long time now, and people don't necessarily expect amazing content from me. My clients do, but outside of my own lunchbox, I am really not that famous. And so my first guests and some of the guests you will hear in the first months of 2023 have simply been women I love in my world who I knew would say yes just to support me and bring something to the table for you. It's a world this podcast has shown me is richer than I consciously realized, full of women who are incredibly courageous, clever, and creative, who are prepared to speak their truth and share their stories, their powerful stories, and to change our world one small bump at a time. The decision to create Raise 1000 Voices was done knowing it may well fall into a vortex for months, that I didn't have the numbers or the really big names it seems to take to launch a podcast well in the 2020s. But the permanency of podcasts, that the episodes remain live for all time, gave me hope that one day Raise 1000 Voices would gather momentum and a soft but confident inner voice encouraged me to just get started. From our first episodes with Erica Kramer, Maz Farrelly and Carolina Gunza, as we launched, I had women I knew shooting me messages telling me, oh my God, I laughed, I cried, I listened to every single bit of it. I've gone back and listened three times to this one part in this one episode. I felt as though Erica, Maz, Carolina, insert your favorite guest name here, were speaking directly to me. This is exactly what I needed to hear this morning, last night, in the car as I was walking. By the time we reached episodes six and seven, messages were landing in my inboxes from women that I didn't know. This is when my heart started to fill and my soul started to smile. At first, it was a small shock that people outside of my own lunchbox were actually listening and loving. And then sheer gratitude that through this platform of podcasting, women are finding something they didn't quite know they were looking for. Every single message, every single new connection, every single unsolicited rating and review, every single touch point shows me not that I am any sort of amazing, but that we are craving deep and powerful storytelling. We are all looking for connection, to see ourselves in others, to start to create a sense of belonging, that we are not alone 
that our experiences are more universal than we knew to be possible and to revel in the gifts that these conversations are giving us. And it is universal. Men, good men, are also responding, sharing episodes with their own insights, acknowledging Raise 1000 Voices is firmly focused on women and encouraging everyone, men and women, to listen. The Chief Economic Development Officer at the Regional Council, where I live, which is the fifth fastest growing area in Australia, has been powerfully vocal in his support. This is surprising and delightful and has actually brought a whole new world to me, which already existed right on my doorstep. Every single conversation is brought with it a richness and standout moments that are not only landing in your world, but in mine. Sometimes the phrase, we teach what we most need to learn, comes to mind. Maz Farrelly, gently but firmly correcting me on my own language in episode two is something I would never forget. I work with women every day to strengthen their voice, to become very intentional in the words we use, and I had allowed incremental small bumps back into my own words. With her hallmark kindness, Maz reminded me to never stop being intentional. And then there was this, the quote, the minute we start worrying about what somebody might think or how they might judge us, that is when we lose our voice straight away. Boom. Thank you, Julie. That landed straight to my heart and yours. We lose our voices incrementally over time as we allow the opinions of others or the fear of judgment crowd our minds and strangle our voices. Erica and Stacey epitomize the power in deep and truthful storytelling, both unapologetic in completely different ways, but both with powerful backstories and both willing to go where many won't. Erica's love for potential shifts the axis of the world. And Stacey's perspective on just why the advice, just be you, will not cut it, is grounded in a lived experience that instills a belief that we can achieve the impossible. Zara convinced us that all that storytelling is about taking people on a magnificent adventure and why sharing those adventures matter. A conversation we deepened even further with the wonderful Dr. Angela Loria, whose lifelong love affair with story and publishing and authorship vibrates right through the microphone. Then we sat down with Rabia. The conversation took us deep into why and when she decided to share her powerful story of being taken hostage and then taking on the British government and armed forces. And within that, she wrapped us up into the power of not just stories that matter, but when it is that they truly matter. She touched on ripples of change, unknowingly setting the stage for our next conversation with the delightful Rochelle Courtney. Rochelle's fight to end period poverty in Australia is driving legislative and regulatory change across the country. And yet every major initiative in her charity starts with something simple and eminently shareable. Ripples, which are creating positive change for the insane amount of women in this country living in poverty and at risk, and the impact on how they manage or don't their periods, a fundamental human right. The kind of change that only happens when women step up, raise their voice, and take action to change what breaks their heart, which I first heard from Carolina Gunza, our third conversation, who once told me, if you are looking for purpose, look no further than what breaks your heart. Carolina also landed this when they asked why it was important for women to step into leadership. When men and women are leading together, it has generational implications. When it's either or and at the expense of the other, it becomes limited in its reach. That landed. That literally took my breath away. And yet in all of the powerful moments, and I did realize if I was going to work through all of them, this would be a half-day special event, something was nudging quietly an awareness that whilst powerful, the conversations were still to land in a deeper purpose. I knew the conversations were strong and we loved them. 
And yet inexplicably, as we drew towards episodes eight and nine, I also knew we needed to go deeper somewhere and I was determined to explore where. The key was in the conversations surrounding the conversations, when message and conversations were ignited as a result of someone listening to an episode and the person I was speaking with would drift toward a but or an if only. And I realized there is a conversation we are not having and that is why this solo episode came early. The work I do in my everyday life is anchored in raising powerful voices. When working with particularly women, we first have to learn how to identify, dance with and rewire the voice of our inner critic. And it's underpinned a lot of the conversation here so far, and it will continue to do so. But we must also bring into our conversations the impact of the rise of cancel culture, which is almost like the external rise of our inner critic. Every challenge the inner critic throws down to our right to speak, every question it asks about who are we anyway, who do we think we are, why do we think we have the right to speak, and what if we end up being hated for what we most want to say? Every single fear voiced by the inner critic is appearing to be true in the rise of cancel culture. You can be canceled for saying the wrong thing, for holding a strong opinion. You can be hated for it by complete strangers. You can have your world shattered in a split second. Everywhere we look in the world right now, we can find evidence to validate the fears expressed by our inner critic. It is creating an echo chamber, a tightening spiral that encompasses both our inner voice and the voices of a thousand strangers, that is ricocheting through our minds and our hearts and rapidly depleting our willingness to speak. There is also an intersection between cancel culture and privilege and race and discrimination and gender and sexual identification. And there's conversations to be held to deepen our understanding of the difference between cancel culture and simply being held accountable. We have so much to explore and we must. The simple truth is feel the fear and do it anyway is no longer an appropriate strategy. With what we now know about epigenetics and the fluid expression of DNA once thought to be fixed and about the reality of how our brains, the three brains across our mind, heart and gut are actually shaped and the legacy impacts of generational and current trauma, we simply cannot continue to chant, feel the fear and do it anyway and expect it to work in the face of a global pandemic that may well prove to be worse than COVID-19. That is the sweeping away of our voices under the waves of cancellation. A phenomena that may well now rest firmly in the hands of AI algorithms and bots, increasingly outside of our control. And the complete paradox is the only way to fight cancel culture and the loss of our voices is that it has never been more important to find a way to raise our voices. In my most recent keynote, I spoke about my first discovery of the power of the voice of Tarana Burke. On an eight-hour drive in 2020, I queued a podcast, set my destination, and settled in. Six hours in, I was about to switch over to music. I was getting a little bit tired of the thought factor when the queue rolled over to Brené Brown's original interview with Tarana Burke. We now know, well, most of us do, that Tarana Burke was the founder of the Me Too movement. But at that stage, three years after Alyssa Milano tweeted the Me Too invitation, most of us around the world still thought the movement started with Alyssa. Yet Tarana had founded the movement in 2006. She was using the phrase to encourage victims of sexual assault, particularly women of colour, to connect and share their stories. In this particular interview with Brené, she describes the days in mid-October 27, watching the Me Too hashtag blow up on Twitter believing to the core of her soul that she had lost control and most likely ownership of her own movement. Why? Why did she believe that? 
because she was looking at a woman with white privilege and influence, power personified, that she knew she could not fight. Tarana spent days grieving what she could see would be the loss of everything she had done and worked for for the 11 years before the Me Too hashtag took over the Twitter sphere. Tarana, and I'm paraphrasing, said it was the people within her community and those closest to her that convinced her not only should she fight for it, but that she would win that fight because her great work was on her side. She confesses that she doubted it was possible. She had every narrative of how white privilege wins running through her head. But with the support of those closest to her and those in her community who were also willing to fight on her behalf, she started to wonder if it was possible. She actually didn't believe it was, but she made a decision to stand in their belief and to start the fight. In doing so, Tarana realized she'd become so immersed in the work that she was no longer visible, which is why she was losing her movement to perceive privilege and power. More than that, what struck me in this conversation is that the very thing we convince ourselves is critical how viral our content is on social media, to our business and career success, was the very thing that almost ripped her movement out from under her feet. What I want you to understand is Tarana's only weapon in this fight was story. The irrefutable stories of how she started, the work she had done for more than a decade, the stories that emerged from the diverse and eclectic group of women she had helped, the stories of change she created in systemic funding and approaches to how we support victims of sexual assault, and the stories that emanated from others. It was only the power of deep and truthful storytelling that gave her back a movement that had been taken by a mass media effect in a Twitter storm. And this, this is what I want to create as our collective North Star, to remember the power of deep and truthful storytelling, to remember always the importance of sharing authentically, often without agenda, and always with purpose. Part of our purpose with Raise 1000 Voices will be to continue to raise the voices of those who will inspire and empower you, who have personal stories of triumph, or simply making it through in a way that gives you the insights you may very well need in your world in that moment. And we have a truly formidable series of conversations with our guests in store in the first months of 2023. And we are also going to expand the conversations. We will find those who have been cancelled and yet pushed through to the other side those who live at and have learned to navigate within intersectional cancel culture, where it crosses over with race, gender, sexuality, and politics. Those with lived experience who now exist to help others survive and then thrive, and those who are immersing themselves in the research and in the field, who are determined to hold the instigators to account and to push into new ground in understanding just how the hell we exist in a world which on some days, let's be honest, it feels as though it may be more than a little mad. We are going to go after cancel culture. We will find and share the deep, powerful and true stories to create the connective tissue between all of us and in so doing, start to create a world where fear no longer strips away the power of your voice, where you, I, we all are willing to raise our voices because in the words of Julie Cross, the world needs you to show up. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise 1000 Voices. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. And if you have, then I would love you to subscribe to and rate the show on your favorite platform. Our show notes, resources, and links to all our socials can be found at anygiventuesday.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a growing community of clever, creative, and courageous women who know that they want to be seen, heard, and remembered, then join us in our Facebook group, Raise 1000 Voices. Until we speak again, take care and remember, you were born to raise your voice.